You are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Rays podcast. And on today's show, we are pleased to be joined by Aram Layton, the proprietor of JustBaseball.com. Aram, busy times for you as we uh, near the end of August into September. This is this is the money season for you, right? Uh, yeah, this is it's it's you know a lot of people like to call it the dog days, but you know I love it because we get the home stretch of of Major League Baseball, we get you know the, the end of minor league baseball season, and uh, just a lot of fun stuff going on. So we we just put out our top 100 update, which which I'm excited about at the midseason, and uh, yeah, it's a fun time for baseball, man. Yeah, certainly, and especially if you're a, a Rays fan and with expanded playoffs, a lot of, a lot of other organizations out there. Absolutely. You mentioned it, um, top 100 list update. Uh, that is at justbaseball.com. Um, first off, how long did it take to put cool. this together? Because I'm I'm looking through it, and it seems to be very in-depth and very conclusive. Uh, I'd imagine it, it took more than a day or two to put it all together. Yeah, you know, my my our staff and like some of the folks at just baseball and, and some of the listeners will make fun of me because like whenever I think we're gonna put it out, it always ends up taking longer. It's like construction. Uh whatever, whatever quote you get, it never ends right. up being the day. Uh, because you know, I just I do take a lot of pride in it. And you know, I, I won't write a guy up unless I get a either a good in-person look at them or you know, at least enough video to consume hundreds of at bats. So um, I've been able to do that for all hundred of these guys. And as you'll see on the lists, like every player has a write up detailing how they swing the bat, their tools, their, their underlying data. That's, you know, not available to the public. And, you know, most of that stuff is you know, behind a paywall. I feel like I'm like pitching myself right now. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, you know, I am really proud of that. And um, it's probably uh, one of my favorite things of the year, but it's also when I'm done at the end, I'm like, thank goodness, because it's, uh, it's thousands of hours for sure, but it's, it lasts for a while and then we update it again. So right. uh, it's, it's a lot of fun though. Now, if you're a race fan out there, you should be happy and enthused mm-hmm. by the fact that there are five race players on this list. Junior Caminero, Curtis Mead, Carson Williams, Xavier Isaac, and Oslavis Basabe in that order. And maybe most, I guess, noteworthy, uh, most noteworthy, Junior Caminero is your number two prospect in all of baseball. Why? What's the reasoning for Junior being so high up? Oh, man. I mean, the power is unbelievable. I don't think people realize because he's still working on consistently lifting the baseball and, and you know, and, and hitting it in the air to tap into that power in games. But in terms of exit velocities – 90th percentile exit velocity is a figure we like to look at a lot because a max exit velocity can be a one-off, right? But Mm -hmm. 90th percentile is taking, you know, the the, the 10% of the hardest balls that you've hit and, and giving you that number. And his is as high as anybody in the minor leagues. And frankly would be in the top 10 in the major leagues at 110.5 miles per hour. That's insane. But if there was a ton of swing and miss, you know, I'd take it with a grain of salt. His, his contact rates are, pretty average if anything maybe slightly above he's this is his age 19 season in double a where he was forced to play in a league where once he got brought up with the tact baseball experiment where i mean i talked to a lot of hitters in that league fastballs were were jumping more than they'd ever seen uh guys were getting you know 
24, 25 inches of, of vertical break on their fastball, way more horizontal than they'd ever get. And that resulted in more whiff. You look at Junior Caminero since basically they took the balls out of circulation. His strikeout rate has dropped to 19%. He's making contact in the zone at 83%, which is above average. And then, of course, has the silly exit velocities. The one thing that's missing is hitting the ball in the air a little bit more. And you know what? That'll come. He's young. I'll take this any day of the week. It is a rare blend of power and, and, and a good feel to hit, an approach that just keeps getting better. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up, is lifting the ball. That is something that Wander Franco, mm-hmm. dare I say his name, dealt with and struggled with in the past. Yandy Diaz as well, and then they they finally find what works for them and, and get going from there. So, Caminero, do you have a comp for him? What he Ooh. is, what he could be, fast forward 10, 15, 20 years down the line? Wow, that's a great question because – you know, honestly, with with the comps, sometimes there's guys that are kind of just the, themselves, and I know that's like corny, mm-hmm. but I try. I like he's not going to play short. I know they've like mixed him in there. I think it's kind of just more to keep his bat in the lineup. Right, it, it, he's going to play third base, and and I think people are a little harsh on the defense at third. I think it's it's pretty darn good, uh, given you know how far he's come, but. I don't, I don't see a lot of guys at third base putting up like those kinds of exit velocities. He doesn't lift like Pete Alonzo does, but in terms of like the power and the ability to mitigate the strikeout, like there's some shades of that. Like, I don't think he's going to hit that many home runs. We were just talking about on the just baseball show, like Pete Alonzo averages like 46 homers per 162 games. Like that's crazy. I don't think he's yeah. ever going to be that type of guy, but something similar in terms of, You'd expect him to strike out way more than he does. He hits the living crap out of the ball, um, but he's going to need, again, to hit the ball in the air with a little bit more consistency. If he can find that, he's going to be an absolute menace. Um, But yeah, I don't know if I have a specific comp for him because it's such a unique, young, powerful, and yet pretty advanced feel to hit type of profile. Interesting. Okay, so my next point or question with Junior Caminero is – He's at double A right now. I know he's still young, um, but if he keeps knocking on the door like this, when do the Rays make the decision to call him up? Considering that there's also a guy named Curtis Mead up on the big league roster. There's also a guy named Isak Paredes up on the big league roster. A lot of corner infielders um, that you know the Rays have to figure out what they're going to do with one way or the other. So where does Junior Caminero fit into all that? Or is it a case of hey, the Rays are going to have to move off one or more of those guys at some point, maybe sell high on Isak Paredes or something along those lines. Yeah, you know, it's funny. That's been a question I've been asking myself for a bit, and I think step one was cashing in Kyle Manzardo for controllable pitching, right? But that still doesn't solve the the log jam that you have here. And that's not even mentioning a Jonathan Aranda who could not really hit much better in AAA at this point. Like, he's done everything you could humanly – ask for from him at the plate that's not even mentioning austin shenton who i think is one of the most underrated Mm. bats in in the minor leagues i mean that guy just keeps hitting it's unbelievable um i think with camonero they have the the liberty to take their time you know if they're in a pinch they can bring him up but i think with curtis mead his last five games he's looked 
much more like Curtis Mead at the big league level. I, I, I've loved the patience. You're seeing the bats of ball kind of come back and you're seeing him be the hitter he can be. I, I think Caminero, you can take your time and say, hey, let's let's work on, you know, staying in that backside a little bit longer. Let's clean up the path so that you're lifting the ball a bit more. Um, and maybe he can spend most of, of next year in AAA. If you're in a position where you feel like Caminero can come up and make an impact, then maybe you move off of one of those guys. But even with Caminero, I was just talking about this with about Jackson Holiday on an Orioles podcast. I think if you ever make the decision or make a move based on an assumption that a minor leaguer is going to contribute or replace or improve said production, you're setting yourself up for, you know, uh, for failure. You're leaving yourself very exposed, even for the junior Camineros of the world. So I think Yanni Diaz is a very funny, like honestly, very similar comp because he hits people really underestimate how hard he hits the baseball. And then Camineros just with a little bit more time, I think we could see him up by, you know, middle of next year, but I would, I would try to sell high on Paredes just because, they have so many other options, right? And you can try so many different guys. So generally, I don't like, you know, assuming you can plug in a minor leaguer. But man, they could plug in four different minor leaguers and see which one of them sticks. So they they do have the liberty to do that. I wouldn't move off of a Yandi type, but Paredes right. is a guy that I think you could you could move off of because I think that production is a little bit more replaceable. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach is wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller at every stage, especially when sellers are using shallow and outdated data. Your organization can overcome these challenges, however, with technology that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights. This deeper insights empower sales rep and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which lead to better outcomes like more pipeline, higher win rates, and larger deals. We all like that. So we call that deep sales, and we've built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash locked on. That is linkedin.com slash locked on for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash locked on and get started today. And something we shouldn't forget is the Rays acquired Caminero for Tobias Myers. Tobias Myers. I don't know man. what Tobias Myers is doing right now, but he certainly did not have the profile or the hype or the status that Caminero is doing right now. So is there something that the Rays saw or, or indicated with Caminero? Like what were the Guardians missing at the time? So the dude, it's so funny. This was something that was like keeping me up. And one night I just, I was like, let me dig into some of Caminero's batted ball data when he was in the Dominican Summer League. And I went back and dug dug up some of that. First of all, Tobias Myers was looking a lot better than right. he is looking now. But to your point, like his profile was never going to be anything more than a four starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was never going to be anything more than a back end type of guy. And unfortunately, he's hit such a wall that he's bounced around on multiple teams now. And he's with the Milwaukee Brewers. He went from Tampa, then to Cleveland, to San Francisco, and now with Milwaukee, I think the White Sox at one point in between, like he's bounced around. But the, the Guardians adhere to a very specific model. We see it pitching-wise, and we see it offensively. Pitching-wise, I think it's really worked, where you have the guys with 
a good field of pitch projectability and you see them later have that uptick and stuff and we saw that with starting with Shane Bieber but then you, you see it with Tanner Bybee now uh, you see it with Gavin Williams who they picked up like right as his stuff was taken off and, and it can go on from there Logan Allen others hitters they love the bat to ball guys that you know get on base grind out at bats high makeup you know make good swing decisions and all that good stuff that's fine that's a great profile but I think that also has caused them to move off of the swing and miss type guys they send Nolan Jones out of town. Look at what he's doing for Colorado. I know it's in Colorado, but they send Will Benson out of town. Look at what he's done for Cincinnati. Those guys are very similar. Junior Caminero came with some swing and miss concerns, but I went back and watched some video at the complex. He hit a 111 mile per hour home run in the Dominican Summer League. They, they should have known that there was something there. <laughs> like right. they should have known they had something. And I think the Guardians are kind of learning the hard way that. It's good to have your models. It's good to have the things that you follow, but it's okay to stray from it from time to time. And I think the the Rays are an example of that. They don't always like. I, I wouldn't have expected them to go target an Aaron Savali. That's not their type of arm. I didn't right. even think Zach Eflin was necessarily the type of arm that they target. But sometimes that fits in, and sometimes you can get more out of those guys. Understood. Now with Camonero, not to make this the Locked On Junior Camonero show, but he's you know twenty years old. He's already six foot two, 215 pounds. Is he going to be able to play the hot corner long term, or will he eventually, in a couple years, maybe get too big to play that position and move over to first or DH? Or is it sort of a wait and see approach with all that? You know, I think it's a little bit of wait and see, but I, I think he's more athletic than he gets credit for. And okay, yeah, he might get a little bit bigger, but he's got an absolute rocket for an arm. If the range is a bit limited, I still think he can play there. I look like I look at JD Davis. I'm like, if JD Davis can get his defense to a passable, you know, sp spot with, with the Giants there, someone right. like Junior Caminero, who's much more athletic, can. His hands, I think, work fine enough. I definitely think he can play an average third base. Um, and and the bat will make it a lot more palatable if it's slightly below average. I don't think he'll be a disaster there by any means. Understood. And I mean, here's a point. Yandy Diaz played third base for how many years? And he was a He's not a small guy by any means. That's for sure. So um, yeah. now looking at the rest of the Rays guys on the list, actually, before before I move on to that, what kind of cemented Jackson Holiday above Junior Caminero in the top 100 rankings? Yeah, you know, I, I, I wanted to talk myself into Junior. And, you know, there's there's in terms of upside, I think the. 100th percentile outcome of junior Caminero is probably higher than Jackson holiday, mm. but just the, the floor of Jackson holiday at 19 years old to be doing what he's doing at a premium position. I think the fact that he can play an everyday shortstop as well um, was kind of what separated him uh, and that what he's been able to do to fly through the ranks. Now he's already in double A as a 19 year old. He, he doesn't impact the baseball the same way as Caminero, but I mean, he's a plus hitter. He's a good defender at shortstop. It's five tool potential across the board. If he can tap into a little bit more juice and um, really just being able to play a premium position with all of that at, from the left side of the plate, it, it, he's just, he's, uh, he's almost like created in a lab. He's yeah. just like that perfect prototype uh, that we talked about with Wander. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's not, it's a different game, but it's like, it's almost like you just created this player in a lab. In a way, maybe it sort of was because he is the son of, 
MLB All-Star Matt Holiday. So he certainly has the bloodlines and the guidance and the advice and the coaching and the teaching that goes along with that. Um, like we're seeing more and more players nowadays, seemingly that that come from that um, that stock of, of former big leaguers, whatever oh, yeah. it may be. So now looking at um, the the rest of the Rays guys on the top 100 list: Curtis Mead, Carson Williams, Xavier Isaac, Oslaves Basabe. Um, you know, rankings aside, who are you most ecstatic about? Um, just who kind of you, you maybe have a soft spot in your heart mm-hmm. for out of those four guys? Xavier Isaac. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there's a ranking out there that has that Isaac higher. I, you, you'd probably know better that, than, than me. Cause I know, you know every, every time a new list comes out, you know, you say, Oh, baseball America has these raised guys here and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. I think we're the high guys on Xavier Isaac, and it's because of the, the soft spot I have for him. I mean, 19 years old as well, but one of the most advanced swings I've seen at the lower levels, and a monster of a human, 6'4", 240 pounds. There's a couple of videos I've put out on him uh, on, on my Twitter where, I mean, it's it's him taking like a, a – I talk about A swings and B swings. A right. swing is 2-0 count. I'm getting my best hack off. And that's what the, the hack I get off the pitching machine. The B swing is I'm fooled and, you know, might be butt out, you know, one hand or I get tied up a little bit. And mm-hmm. what does it look like when I get my B swing off? When Xavier Isaac gets his B swing off, it's still a home run 430 feet sometimes. And, and that is the amazing thing to me. The barrel adjustability, um, the ability to still kind of hold his back hip, even when he's fooled for a guy as big as he is, he is so athletic and and malleable um, and just has such a good feel to hit. His approach is amazing. 22% chase rate as a 19-year-old at that level is also really impressive. This is a guy that missed his senior year, most of it, and of high school mm. playing baseball because of a messed up foot. So like this is a guy that really missed a lot of reps and it tells you how much the Rays liked him. And I don't even know how they saw him. Like when he got drafted, I, I'll be honest. I said, who I yeah. couldn't find any video of him. I don't even know if there was a picture of him on his draft profile. Like it, it was one of those <laughs> things. And once I finally got some looks at him, I'm like, okay, this kid can be special. And he's just gotten better and better and better. It's all fields power. And I think this guy could end up being one of the better power hitters in the minor leagues very soon. He's already popped a 115 mile per hour exit velocity as a 19 year old. I don't know how much more he's going to fill out, but he's going to get some more man strength. He's 19. There's elite juice to dream on here. That's good. Um, going to be a little cheeky with this question. Who is the Rays shortstop of the future? Year from oh. now, two years, three years, four years from now, five years from now. Is it Wander? Is it Carson Williams? Is it Oslevis Basabi? Is it Taylor Walls? Is it somebody else. I mean, where, where do you, and, and maybe kind of packing into that question, just the competition between Basabe and Williams and, and other guys as well. You know, obviously with the situation aside, you know, and assuming that wanders in the fold, you know, I, I think that's the, with his defense, with his ability, like that's the guy that should, should be playing there every single day. I don't, I don't think there's, there's much, um, there's much many players that can compare to that in terms of the defensive ability, the offensive ability, the speed, all that good stuff. But if we're talking about like of the the crop, because I love Basabe, and the reason I think the reason why we have him on the top 100 list, and I think a lot of people were surprised by that one was, I mean, he can play all over the diamond. He's that super utility type that 
I think every team would love to have kind of like what Ezekiel Duran has been for the Rangers. I think right. that's similar to what Basabe, maybe a little bit less power, but can be for, for this race team. And the crazy thing is people don't realize Basabe, he hits the ball harder than people think. You saw with the yeah. grand slam, he puts up above average exit velocities. He's just a guy that puts it on the ground a lot. And, you know, I, I don't really care that he puts it on the ground a lot because he's fast and he, he knows how to find the holes. Maybe he lifts a little bit more. He's in good shape, but that's not an everyday shortstop for me. Carson Williams is probably the answer. Um, if, if we're operating in a world without wander, because Carson is an incredible defender. I think everyone talks about the power and, and, you know, what you can dream on offensively and like, Oh, is he going to hit enough? Maybe not, but it's funny. He gives me a lot of reminders of Willie Adamas and Adamas was a guy that, you know, lauded for the glove, good power. You know, the hit was kind of depended when you checked in. And for him, I guess it was just if he played in Tropicana, he just couldn't hit. Um, But in terms of the power, the defense um, and the ability to hit just enough, I see a lot of that there. I think Williams is a more patient hitter, maybe slightly more swing and miss. But I think he's going to be able to cut down on the swing and miss. And I think Williams is going to turn into one of the better prospects in baseball uh, once he finds a way to hit breaking balls with a bit more consistency. Uh, Mm -hmm. Special glove, big time power potential. And a good approach already. Uh, we've brought up his name a couple times already, Wander Franco, and we've tried to make it clear on the podcast that we want to wait until the investigation is concluded, until um, we cast judgment one way or the other. But yeah, the Rays are distancing themselves from him. You don't see him on commercials. You don't see him uh, on wraps or banners in the stadium. Um, he's not in the team store anymore. They're they're. They're trying to to hold their distance. Um, have you all talked about it on the podcast, the situation and just yeah. maybe where it ranks in terms of scandalous Damn. baseball stories? Like it's crazy. You're talking about one of top two, top three, top five players in all of baseball. This happening to not, you know, um, some uh, uh, run of the mill reliever or something like that. Yeah, no. And that's usually that's why I feel like this story is is so mind-blowing in so many ways and you know i we we were trying to figure out how we wanted to tackle it because you know this is one of those things where i i think you guys have hit the nail on the head right like there's obviously something there like there's some things going on and there's a reason why there's an investigation sometimes when there's smoke there's fire but sometimes there's not and he's a large public figure and there's a lot of things that come with it and like you got you have to reserve judgment and let the investigation happen that said I think mirroring what the Rays are doing is pretty much the way to go about it, which is we're going to let them conduct this investigation. You know, we're not kicking them off the team, but anybody that's implicated in this kind of thing is not just going to be, you know, posted all over our walls. And, and, you know, I think for, for the way I'm looking at it for the Rays is you, you got to operate the rest of the season, assuming he's not involved. And, Mm -hmm. and that's what we kind of talked about from that lens. And, you know, there's anybody with, an ounce of morality can say that what he is accused of is disgraceful and he deserves to be locked up if, if guilty of it. So Mm -hmm. what else is there for us to say other than that? You know what I'm saying? Like it felt, I I actually vented it out on the podcast because I was like, I don't want to be insensitive and talk about the baseball implications when somebody's life could be possibly, you know, permanently affected. But on the flip side, what else can I say about this situation that you don't already know? This is reprehensible if it's true. This is a terrible, and this is something that should be, you know, held accountable to the fullest extent of the law. So 
it's this weird, it, it was a really weird soul situation for me. Cause it's like, my job is to talk about baseball. That's right. what I know. But morally, anybody with a conscience knows that if whatever's been, you know, mentioned in, a, in, in allegedly accused of Wander Franco is terrible. So what else can we say about it? And besides let's wait and see. Right. And what's amazing is, um, you know, I know there's still more to be seen there, but Oslavis Basabe is, that's got to be a tough situation to get called up probably unsurprisingly and then have to replace a guy like Wander Franco. I've said it before. You want to be the guy that replaces the guy replacing the guy. You, you don't want to be that guy taking over for such a big name like Wander. Of course, the, the off the field stuff kind of, um, you know, puts a dimmer on the the spotlight that is. But I, I want to kind of get your take on this. Did you ever in in um, researching Wander and people you've talked to, was there anything character wise that flagged up? Um, because we also have to remember earlier this season, there was Flipgate. There was being benched for a couple games for getting for not being a good teammate and for getting into it with Randy Rosarena, among others. Like, was there anything in his profile that said, uh, you know, there, there might be some, some character issue here. Yeah. You know, all ironically, the only things that I really came across in terms of talking to scouts and talking to people and whatever was immaturity. And Mm -hmm. the, the irony in that is that, you know, this was a guy that was always playing ahead of his years. He was, mm-hmm. when we were talking about like Ethan Salas, like the only comparison of a player performing as an 18 year old in, in full season ball is, was Wander Franco and, and Ethan Salas isn't even 18, which is crazy. So, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of scouts, a lot of evaluators, everything kind of chalked it up to just, Hey, he's a younger kid that is, which is, I can't really use that word. He's a grown man now that is allegedly affecting a kid, but that just was put in a position where he's with players who are older than him, who, you know, just don't tick the same way he does. But I don't think there was ever this level of like, you heard more smoke about a lot of other prospects in terms of their makeup and their, you know, the way they carry themselves and the way that they go about their business. For me, it was all I really heard is, you know, this guy's, you know, been the best thing since sliced bread and he knows it. And like, you got to just take that with what, what it comes from. Like people say that about Luis Robert, he's not implicated in any terrible things. Like there's a difference between, you know, ego and, you know, and, and being maybe not the best teammate in the world and the things that Wander Franco has been accused of. So no, I I've never really heard anything of him being a, a bad person by that nature. And I think that's what made the story all the more shocking is like, you know, it, it never, it usually seems to be the people that y- you don't really know what's going on. And um, yeah, I mean this, if everything goes down the way we all fear, I, it's hard to, to think of a more impactful story in, in sports and in, in some time. Yeah. I've said it, that if it goes down, like you put it uh, brilliantly, like we fear, then um, that's a 30 for 30. That's a Netflix documentary. That's, that's a whole lot wrapped into this whole situation. And it's really, really unfortunate. Um, and yet there's that, that fine line between confidence and cockiness and brashness. And how could you blame the guy? He's been called the greatest thing since sliced bread since he was, you know, 13, 14 years old, maybe even younger than that. And he gets thrown a hundred, 82 183 million dollars guaranteed you know as a 
can barely drink yeah. or maybe can't even drink at that point. Yeah. I can't even, I yeah. can't remember the age time. No, I don't, and I don't think he could. And the difference is, you know, I think sometimes it gets to the level for some of these guys that, you know, allegedly think they're above the law and maybe that's where it comes in. And I don't know, but yeah, yeah I, again, like I've never heard anything about, you know, is, is, you know, him being a terrible human being. So it, it, again, you, you, you never know. And you can only know so much about a player uh, from right. when there's a lot of time off the field and out of the complex, uh, right. as you know, and, and that can be a good thing or a bad thing. And allegedly in this instance, a terrible thing. 